turning your Bibles this morning to the book of Proverbs, and uh, we're getting back into this subject, and uh, I, I know that this is different. Um, it's, it's one of those subjects that I believe is affecting every aspect of our lives. It, it really is. And I, I told some stories last week of just why this is important, and um, we are addressing deep issues, and if we ignore them, they're going to tear us apart. And uh, I, I was talking about marriage, and marriage is more than just two people falling in love. And it, I'm not saying that it's not two people falling in love. You can't deny that. But marriage is fundamental to our society. It is. It's a foundation. Uh, a foundation means that other things are built upon it. The church is built upon the home. It's built upon families. And children are built upon marriage because they're, they're, they're following mom and dad. Uh, last week, I kind of gave a disclaimer and said, hey, if you're here divorced, if you're here single, I'm not pushing you out, but I am going to, I need to zone in on this subject. And for anybody that's going to sit in the audience today and say, oh man, that's really unnecessary, then you are really oblivious to our world. And I'm not just saying that, this, this is huge. When I say huge, it's probably one of the biggest issues in church and in our culture. How... How did marriage get so messed up? And especially when it was intended to be an example of a relationship with God. Everything that God did was an intimate connection. The Lord is part of us and in us. And he loves us. And he said, I'll never leave you. I'll, I'll, I'll perfect love cast out fear and all these other aspects that come in. And, and there's an, an intimacy, a connection that goes deeper than any other relationship. And people have said when it comes to this subject, and really I, I was hesitant getting into last week of not wanting to even talk about this because they said, it's just awkward when you get up and talk about this. Can I, can I be honest? Why? Because we've made it awkward. We've made it awkward. I'm using these illustrations because I'm getting this straight out of scripture of, of the water. It's, it's used through Proverbs 4, 5, 6, and 7. So it's not like I just did this in the, in the, the natural thirst that God created inside of people. And I'm going to tell you the, the world or the, the dirty water or how they've perverted what God said was good. It is on the other side. And let me tell you, this is more prevalent in our society than this is. Actually, the world doesn't even know what is pure and right and wholesome and good to the, to the far point that when we start lifting this up and say, this is what God intended to be, it's a foreign concept of this generation saying, what is that? That's old-fashioned, and that's weird, and that's outdated, and that's unnecessary to where they, it's not that they reject it, they're not even familiar with this. But I tell you, the world takes this, and it lifts it up, and it exploits it, and it spreads it to the point where our generation of church-going young people and really, not just young people, everybody look at this and say, that's normal. It's normal. It's normal to be shacked up. It's normal to have premarital sex. It, it, it's normal to take things too far. It's normal in every movie, every TV show. I mean, how often do you find a TV show that sits there and says, marriage is between one man and one woman and God ordained it and it's blessed and it's good? I, you find that. It's not that it's just rare, it's almost impossible to find that. But I tell you, on the other side, it's all over the place. And let me ask you, how is this generation ever going to know what is right and wrong when we sit there and say, this is awkward, let's not talk about this. Let's not mention it, let's not do it. When they're ev- everyone's dealing with it. Everyone. It's not one or two or some, they all are. And then our kids 
end up in these kind of relationships. And they have this kind of mindset. And we're sitting there going, it shouldn't be that way. Well, you know what? It wouldn't be that way if we would open our mouths and say what is right and wrong. God created this to be pure and good and exciting and not awkward. And if we're going to fix it, we've got to do it. I'm going to review a little bit. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And they should be one flesh. Unlike any other relationship ever known. God said, I'm going to connect them intimately in their heart, soul, mind. I'm going to cause them. And I brought you to the beginning of Genesis where God brought them together. And I brought you all the way to Revelation. And I brought you back to Ephesians and showed you that God's example of marriage is all through Scripture. It's not one or here. God said, I'm coming back for my bride. I have a commitment, a love for you. And I made a commitment to come back to you. And we'll be together forever. And that was God's illustration. And God said, it is good. In Proverbs 5.15, turn to Proverbs with me. We're going to flip all over in Proverbs in chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7. I want you to mark and underline. We're, we're going to get this and you're going to be in there and be like, wow, I, I didn't know this was even in the Bible. You're going to be amazed at what's in the Bible as we get into this. I'll review for just a few minutes. In Proverbs 5.15, it says, drink waters out of thine own cistern. And running waters out of their own well. Just for the record, we are not talking about water right now, okay? It's meaning that there's a quench, a desire that needs to be quenched. And every man was created with it. It's not bad if it's done and handled God's way. It was not for man to be alone for Adam. And I'm not saying that, and like he said, there's some people that are single and God made you that way, or maybe God's waiting for another aspect of your life to come. But in this situation, God said it's not good for man to be alone. And God created a connection and a need with them to be close, a bond and a love for them. So let me review from last week, God's design. I know there's a lot of side issues with this, but let me just hit this. God's design for marriage Intimacy was designed to quench. There is only one outlet. That is right. That's it. It's not movies. It's not porn. It's not flirting. It's not affairs. It's not the world. It's not strip clubs. It's not any of those things that the world has deemed okay. God said, okay, I'm going to put it like this. There is one and one only. You talk about a message that's got to be preached today. There's one and one only. And by the way, that is a man and a woman. And that, you know, and while we're on that, and, and I'm not even going to make this, sometimes we get so uptight about that and just like, it's, it's, we shake our fist at that. And like I said many times, it's because the world looks over that and they don't see anything good. You know what I'm saying? We, we don't give them an example of what was right. So, so they're so confused because, like I said, we, we sit there and say, let me tell you what is right. And they're like, what is right? What is right? T- tell me what is good. And I'm not justifying what they do whatsoever, but I am saying that we are to be thou an example and to live it out and show what is good and pure and and happy. So it talked about drink waters out of thine own cistern. Proverbs 5.19, let her be as a loving hind and pleasant. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Be thou ravished with her love. Intimate connection to her. That word satisfy means to satisfy or slay the first, the thirst that man has. God says it works 
Let me tell you, it works and it's good. Marriage intimacy was designed to excite. Three times in that passage, we read these words. Number one, he said the word blessed. Number two, he said the word rejoice. And then he said, number three, be thou ravished. And we, we talked about how our relationship with God is supposed to grow and it changes. You know, you know what I'm saying? A marriage relationship changes, but the, what should be consistent in there is a love and passion for that person. Amen. Blessed, rejoice, be thou ravished, overtaken, intoxicated, addicted to the love of your spouse. And third, marriage intimacy was designed by God to last. And it, it said at the verse, verse 19, and thou be ravished always with her love. Changes in time, but I'll tell you, it should grow deeper and richer and real, should endure the storms. You know, I'm talking about the different people that have been married, and, and uh, I, I have a couple that won't even be here next weekend because they're going on a, a trip uh, to celebrate. Dave and Eggie Frazee are celebrating 50, 50 years of marriage. Dave, Dave Wade uh, at us and Eggie right there. 50 years right there of marriage. It was, it was designed by God to last. And I tell you, the reason why I'm saying this so much today, because this does not last. And what we do is we try to drag this into this and have both. That doesn't work either. So help me this morning. Just listen. Don't, don't buck up and say, oh, this is inappropriate or whatever. It's inappropriate for us not to talk about it. Number one, it's Bible. Number two, it's truth. And number three, it's real issues. You can put your head in the sand and say, well, church shouldn't have. We do. Every row of, of people here today, I can take you, then they can testify and say there's real issues. The church of God in Revelation, he said, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. And he said, I wish that you were cold nor hot. And he said, I'd spew you out of my mouth. And it's another illustration kind of like this. But I can tell you one aspect of, of Christ's relationship with the church is the fact that it got stagnant, apathetic. I used the illustration one time with coffee and talked about how it became room temperature. People order hot coffee. People will order iced coffee. But nobody says, hey, can I get a big glass of lukewarm coffee? You know, nobody wants that. And that's why Jesus said, I wish that you were cold or hot. Literally meaning that something inside of you is working excited it's an extreme and it's not the temperature of the world can i tell you one of the reasons that marriages that are christian marriages have so many problems and that they veer more over to here is because this has become stagnant and dead and and and, and, and nothing is real and, and and all the things that god has said that i wish that you were cold or hot i wish something was happening inside of there that's a big problem and just like us the, the reality of church and also in relationships, we get lazy, we get apathetic, we take each other for granted, we create bad habits. And our marriages were never meant to be any of those things. So here's a big problem. You guys ready? Chapter 5, verse 1. My son, attend unto my wisdom. Bow thine ear to my understanding. That thou mayest regard discretion and, thou, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. And then he turns right into this. For the lips of a strange woman. And all of a sudden we get on this whole situation, this whole conversation about this 
other woman. So let's pray. Father, I need help. I need wisdom. Lord, I need the words. Lord, guide me to what I should say. Help me not to say what I should not say. Lord, help every person in here to understand the reality of what is all around us. Lord, help us to take your words to heart, your warnings to our minds. Help us to live these things out. We pray this in your name. Amen. And just stop this strange woman mentioned here. Who's the strange woman? It's, it's, it's another woman. I, I, I'm, through the, the message, I'm not going to say strange because today in our terminology, and the language changes over time, in our terminology, we, we wouldn't say strange woman. A strange woman would be a strange woman, okay? <laughs> We're not talking about, wow, she's really odd, you know? It's, it's saying she's other than your wife. She's not your wife. So if, if I was to say the other woman, you know, ah, I know what that's talking about. It's, it's talking about somebody other than myself if you're sitting there talking from the perspective of marriage. It's another woman that honestly in this description, she's there to grab your attention. She can be at work, website, a post on Facebook, a Snapchat, cover of a magazine. It can be in a repair shop and it could be a calendar. And this other woman is there. Most of the time I can tell you about this other woman, she has no name, but she's one of our greatest enemies. She has destroyed marriages without ever touching them. She has destroyed families. She has destroyed churches. She has never touched you, yet she can grab control of you. It's amazing, the the metaphor, the illustration in the scripture. And say, why is this even in the Bible? Because... This strange woman is what is affecting this side of our conversation. In our passage, when we jump forward, and I, I, I show you what we read last week about Proverbs 5.19. Let's read that again and show you the connection of what does this have to do with having, be happy with your wife? What does this have to do with being fulfilled in your marriage? Let her be as a loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Talking about the physical side of a relationship. Be thou ravished always with her love. And then rolls right into verse 20 and says, whoa, 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 hey, hey, hey. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? Why will you be taken or intoxicated or overcome with the other woman? And embrace the bosom of a stranger. You know why I'm doing this? And I didn't say, hey, I want to have a men's day. And we're going to have a bunch of bacon and eggs and talk about this issue. And I really did think about doing that. Because it affects every person in this room. If you're a teenager, man, they're, they're battling a world because they've got their cell phone that throws everything at them all the time and their iPad and TV and movies. And do you notice that this other woman creeps into everything? It could be the coolest movie and they, they throw the, the commercials out there and smack in the middle of that movie. They have to have some sort of scene where the hero goes too far with another woman. You say, well, why is that? Because Satan's not stupid. He's not. And this other woman that is mentioned here is a direct attack to the purity of our youth. A direct attack to the purity of our marriages. Satan has said, if he will not be ravished with his wife, I will give him the other woman. Because he says, I know that they're going to have the thirst. 
And I can say when this is shuts down or when this becomes inactive or when this is because not become real or anything else, Satan says, I know the thirst and I will sit there and, and put before their eyes this as much as possible and I'll prove it through this passage. I just want to expose this to let you know that this is a real, real, real battle. And I, I know that it's, I, I keep mentioning the men with the wives in the passage here, but I can tell you it goes the other way too. So I'm going to say a lot of things that you just need to know that I love you, okay? (laughs) The other woman, number one, the other woman, or I'll put it this way, the dirty water is everywhere. Temptation is everywhere. I I am telling you for every woman here, I don't care how sheltered you are. I don't know how good your homes are. It's everywhere. We, we live, and I, I feel like in some sense, I want to tell you guys, we live in America, but we also live in Sodom and Gomorrah. They're, they're not afraid to throw it in a commercial. They're not afraid to make Sunday night the Victoria's the Victoria Secret fashion show. When did we become so obsessed with underwear? Uh, do we do that with anything else? Do we do that with socks? The Tony Liuso sock show, and I'm going to have a bunch of hairy men just strut their, you know what I'm saying? It's, and you sit there and say, well, I just really appreciate the new line of underwear. No, you don't. I don't care if that dude is wearing wings or not. It, it is, I don't want to see his socks. And, and for all of you guys to know that that has nothing to do with underwear. They sell sex. Because Satan knows that there's a whole market, there's a whole world, and it's real, and he can make a a lot of money just the same way that I could go to a foreign country that was starving and sell them anything that I wanted because they're hungry. And that's the reality. the, The other woman had the same mission that was in the garden to separate our relationship with God and to cause problems between man and woman. To offer something that appears to be better. you'll you'll see a similar language of how subtle this woman is and how in in the the book of Genesis when he talked about Satan he came and he was so subtle he didn't come in there and say hey you want to have an affair you want to cheat on your wife and you want to pollute your mind no he just said hey here's something else I want you to know that this water has the same compounds or ingredients is this water. You, you need to know that. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you as I get into this, you can sit there and look, oh, that's gross and everything. But in reality, this is a woman's body the same way that this is. And you can sit there and say, the woman was like, I can't believe that's so disgusting. And I, I would, whatever. It's working really good for Satan. It's in our entertainment. It's impure. It's dirty, and most of all, you need to understand that it's, it's perverted. Satan takes some of this, and he twists. That's what he does with everything. And he, and he says, yeah, it's, it's very similar to what you're used to, but I'm going to twist it and make it different. That, that why will thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? Embrace the bosom of a stranger. If you want to circle the word why. It's why. And then, so, and then the author here says, oh, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to answer the question to a lot of women that get so upset and say, I just, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. 
we must understand why. So we have to flip forward a little bit to chapter 7, verse 4. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. So, Solomon goes in and he said, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, or sister, and call understanding thy kinsman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through the casement, and behold, among the simple ones I discerned among the youth a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near the corner, and he went the way of her house, and in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and the dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. He did not go looking for her. She definitely went looking for him. She was in the street. She was not in a strip joint, not in a magazine rack behind 7-Eleven counter. She met him in the street. I, I, the Bible doesn't say that he went looking for her. He was going to work. He was going to church. He was going to do whatever. Verse 12 of chapter 7, now she is without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. You've got to understand the symbolism here. No woman is at every corner. But we're not talking about just a woman. We're talking about the other woman, any woman that's not your wife. And she's there, and this description is so true and so real. It's as real as you can get. She's going to be staring you down as you go through the, the, the aisle to check out at Giant Eagle. She's going to be on a billboard advertising her underwear. She's going to be on a, a, a random friend request that you get on Facebook that's just spam. She's going to be in that TV commercial that just pops up when you're watching the news. She's going to be smack in the middle of that action movie as you're sitting there enjoying that movie that you've been waiting on. I'm just saying you don't have to look hard to find her. Actually, look at Proverbs 6.26, what it says. And the adulterous will, what's the next word? The adulterous will hunt for precious life. You know why it's so important for us to understand and get into this right now? Because we are far past the days where a wife has to say, I hope my husband doesn't go in some adult bookstore and grab something out of there. There's so much shame and everything that goes with that, and there's no way that they're going to pull, pull into that. We're, we're way past those days. It could be pulled up on a computer in less than three seconds. I, I know when I look at this and I'm talking about the other woman it, it, I don't want to sound like I'm picking on women. I, I don't want to sound that way at all because it sounds like it's all the women's fault and all this other. And I, I know that comes across. But can I, can I just address this why I am here? And I told you I love you. you, you got that, we got that, right? Amen. I love you. Uh, um, there's so many things that deal with this that we have written the pastors off and churches off today saying he is so old-fashioned. Can I give you guys some advice? Some things are just biblical truth. It, it, they might be old-fashioned because they were biblical truth 100 years and 200 years and 300 years. But truth is truth whether how old it was. And so we've got to understand that there's a lot of things in our culture that does change. How we call someone or how we drove here and different things like that. But one thing that does not change is what is right and wrong according to the word of God. Amen. And even in this 
passage. I'll, I'll read you a verse in Song of Solomon 4.9. Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart. Verse 12. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Once again, we go right back to the water, the thirst illustration. But one thing that we see through that entire passage is God says to the wife, you belong to only one. I don't know I'm talking about the guys saying what you should be looking at. But I'm going to say to every woman here, your body belongs to only one. Not strangers with thee. It should be a fountain sealed. It should not be for advertisements. I mean, I'm going to tell you guys something that the world has completely lifted up and exploited like crazy. That it's all right for a woman to strive to be sexy. There's nothing wrong with you striving to be sexy at home for your spouse. But when you walk out of the doors of your house and your goal, according to how you dress, is to attract people to lust after you, it is wrong. The commandment in here is lust not. And I I know, and, and the girls let me defend you on the other side. There are some guys that are just so perverted that it doesn't matter what she wears, you're going to try to check her out and, and look her up and down. Yeah, I know there's two sides to this, but I also know that there's a side of it that we're not to sit there and try to be a stumbling block or not, or we shouldn't be there. And it bothers me as we go through stores and stuff like that and we see all this stuff where the, the, the thing is, the, the label of it is sexy. The word sexy means to be sexually appealing and we should not be sexually appealing deliberately to anyone. Other than our spouse. Amen. The other woman is everywhere. Number two, the other woman, this dirty water is powerful. Said so we're going to get real. It's, this is as real as we can get. You can say all day long, I've got this for the men that sit there and say, I got this. You know, I watch those shows and I, I've got this. You know, I flip through those magazines, but I got this. And I, I, I have fun flirt with the girls at work, but I've got this. You don't understand what you're playing with. David thought he had this with Bathsheba. Because we, we tell the whole story of David and Bathsheba. David was a man after God's own heart. David was not raising pervert just running around. He was a man after God's own heart. David walked with God and loved God and wrote the scripture and, and passionate and sung and everything else. But David saw this woman bathing on the rooftop, and the man that was a man after God's own heart looked again. And he, he was compelled, he was pulled, he was drug into it. You need to understand that men, men, yes, you're not better than anybody else, and you're not better than David. And understand when we put ourselves in a position to view or see, you're dealing with something that has more power than you do. You do. Let me show you chapter 7, verse 13. This is what happened. And you understand the symbolism, what's going on here. Talking about this woman in the streets. So she caught him and kissed him. And with impudent face said unto him. Let, let me show you this power. With her power she captures I, I'm not saying that it's this physical and you're not going to go through a bookstore or a movie place or you're not going to go down the hall or whatever and some woman come out and grab you and try to kiss you. 
guys, none of you are any of that to ever have to worry about that. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> you might think as you were looking in the mirror this morning, but you're not. Your gut says otherwise. So <laughs> Bathsheba captured his mind, his heart, his thoughts, his thinking, his imagination. Satan is so good at this. He is so good at this. Just throw it out there. Captures. Verse 10 in chapter 7, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot. The attire, the dress, deliberately done to seduce. That's, that's what it was. Dress, deliberately done to capture the attention Dressed in such a way to make you look again. Satan loves to use this weakness against us. Notice her approach in this passage. The attire of a harlot and subtle at heart. Satan has always done this. He's subtle. Meaning that he doesn't put on billboards of, hey, you want to ruin your marriage or you want to pollute your mind or whatever. It's just subtle. It might be something that you're, you're being, not getting it all over here, and Satan puts it out of here, and it's like, whoa, whoa. I just like, I shouldn't look. And he knows what he's doing. He knows how to make it subtle. He knows how to make steps. Progression is slope. Satan came first time, and he, that's just how he works. He's subtle. Nobody ever lost their marriage just by one day saying, hey, I'm going to blow it all. No, it's subtle. It's, 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 a, it's a, a path. Just one click leads to another click. Leads to another click. It's one chat with a joke. Leads to another chat. Leads to, here's how I'm feeling, and hey, you understand. And the strongest men become weak, just like Samson fell. Of being the story of the strongest man in the Bible. The strongest man. The strongest spiritual leader of David in the Bible. And both of them completely fell on their faces because of the other woman. She captures, but let me notice the power that she has. She also captivates. Proverbs 6.25, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with thy eyelids. Let her take thee. That description there, that the word captivate means to attract or to hold someone's attention by charm or other pleasing, irresistible features. She caught him and kissed him and with impudent face said unto him. Proverbs is so descriptive. This, here's a word that we overlook, that impudent face. We just look there and say, well, what is that? I looked it up. It, it means this. It means stout or strengthened or to be strong or confident. Have you ever noticed, I hope you say no to this, that a magazine cover with a woman dressed scantily on the front? I've heard, I don't know. But they can't put there, they have to have that look of, I want you look. They know how to do it. It's the aggression, it's the desire, it's the, you know what I'm saying? They'll take a thousand pictures to get that one look of, I desire you or you want me or whatever. That's exactly what this is talking about. Guys, let me tell you right now, she does not want you. Actually, she probably has not eaten in three weeks to take that photo shoot. (laughs) And what she's really saying is, I want a cheeseburger, not you. (laughs) Not you at all. 
that that but but it's it's a facade it's it's a mirage it's 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 there to appeal it's there to captivate you for you to have in your mind saying she does not want me but she does and, and let me tell every wife here that that is a struggle when you are rejected or denied or not wanted that all of a sudden when you get that and say i do whether it's some loose girl at work or it's somebody on a website she is paid to act like she wants you she does not want you her job is to captivate she's just doing her job she could care less about who she leaves behind or what damage she does listen to her offer listen to this i told you proverbs get so deep into this Proverbs 7, 14, for I have a peace offering with me. Now, this language today would not match the language of there, okay? Because she's, you could even interpret it and say, oh, I'm going to put her in modern day language, but you'd still lose the meaning because she was describing something that met their culture. So listen, I have peace offering with me. They say I have paid my vows. Therefore, I came forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. She said, I, I really want you. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. You see what she does is she comes out and she captivates. She grabs him. She kisses him. She desires. And all of a sudden, the next thing that she offers is says, I've got more to give you. You got to understand that Satan, everything that he does with the other woman, with, with the, the pornography, however you want to put it, he's always saying there's more. I, I, if you will go with me, if you'll go with me, what I have for you, it's awesome. And it's wonderful. I have made my bed. I've got the perfume on it. I, I, it it's going to be everything. And she describes this bed as if it's some place of fantasy. And she says, will you come with me? This is nothing. Wait till you see what else I have to offer you. I'll tell you, right now, she holds power. She's everywhere. The other thing, and this point's going to shock you, but I just got to put it out there. The other woman, her dirty water is sweet. Sweet. Uh, People always say, it's bad and it's wicked, it's horrible. It's sweet. Let me put it like this, it's really, really good. You just sit there and say, how dare you even? I didn't. Proverbs 5, 3. For the lips of a strange woman is drops of honeycomb. And her mouth is smoother than oil. The lips is a description of the mode which communicates to you of what there is. And the drop of honeycomb is sweet. It's good. I tell you, it might not look like this. But they make it taste like it is or even better. Her appeal would satisfy, it's tempting, it's different, and it's passionate. Everything that we described in here. But I've got to explain to you that this is a biblical principle and always has been. Hebrews 11.25 says to enjoy the pleasures of sin. I'm just going to lay it out there. There's pleasure in sin. That, 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 that you go out and you party and you go out and you hook up and you go out and meet girls and you go out. There, there's pleasure in sin. And that's a lot, of, a lot of times we leave that. Do you know why? The prodigal son left everything that he had good coming to him to run after something because there was pleasure in sin and he enjoyed it and he spent all. 
But what happened after that? He hit bottom. You see, what we fail to admit is that this side, it excites and it quenches temporarily and it ravishes and all those things. But the last part of Hebrews 11.25, it says to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. It does not last. It's the same thing as drinking. You can go out and get drunk. You know what you're going to want to do when you sober up? You're going to want to go out and get drunk. You can go out and get high. And you know what you're going to want later? You're going to want to go out and get high. Whatever it is, it's just enough sweet as a drop to make you want it again and go back to the filth over and over again. Get you addicted. God's way is pure and it satisfies with no guilt and no regret. But let me finish with the most important point. The other woman, the dirty water, corrupts. When he said in Proverbs 6.25, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with thy eyelids. What it is is talking about the lust after her beauty in thy heart. I've got to warn you, it's a heart issue. And I'm about to make a statement that I want really every man and every woman to understand what I am saying, how real this is. This lust to look upon a woman is, is, that is not your spouse, the left ass or her in your heart of what it's talking about, this internal thing is something that changes you from the inside out. I, I can't get into all the science behind it, but I understand some of it, that there's endorphins that are sent out of your mind the same way that if you hit your finger or if you have a, a piece of cake or something like that that sends this endorphin to your brain. It's meant to stimulate, but, if, but sometimes it's sent to your brain and it's, it becomes, you can't process it right. And that's what a lot of drugs and things do. They're meant to, to stimulate your mind and create a desire that's unhealthy and not even normal. And you say, how do people OD? Well, that's what happens. They, they, they crave and crave and crave until their, their body can't handle it. And that's what sin does. Sin, when it is finished, bringing forth death. It, it, it corrupts. One of my favorite places to eat is the Cheesecake Factory. They have, they have this, this case when you walk in and they, they make you wait forever to get in there. And they make you stare at these cases. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's these cases. They don't just take those things out and put them on there. They have a whipped cream machine. Have you ever seen that? They don't have can of whipped cream. This isn't ready whip. This is they make it and then they fill it all the way around and they bring it to your table. And it, they, they don't put the price tag on there a lot of times. It's $8.50. It's like $7, $8.50 for a slice of this. They have one piece of cake. It's called Chris's Outrageous Cake. This is it. It is like 10 layers with cheesecake just being one of the layers. Church, are you awake? There's cheesecake as one of the layers in the midst of many. And you're thinking after you had your 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 calorie meal or whatever, and you don't realize what you're eating. And you're just, if you are like some of these wives that sit there and say, honey, I don't want any. I just want a piece of yours. Man, I'm going to tell you right now that that is a lie. That is a lie. They might think that at first, but they do not mean that. <clears throat> Can I give you some stats? A piece of that cake is 1,530 calories. A piece. 
44 grams of saturated fat, 150 grams of sugar. And you ready for this? Any of you counting carbs? It's 183 carbs in one slice. When I get that, my brain doesn't even have time to process (laughs) that I'm using a fork or a knife to put it in my mouth. By the time the waitress comes around, I'm just finishing up licking the plate, okay? <laughs> I spend eight fifty on it, I'm going to lick the f- plate, okay? Yeah. And I, I'm, I know that's a silly illustration, but let me tell you what Satan does with this. When he says that it is sweet and all this, what he's not going to tell you, the label will never tell you all the facts. Right, right. When, when you're sitting there going, honey... Are you buying smaller pants for me? And she's like, no. You remember that piece of Chris's outrageous cake that you had? That had enough calories for two days, enough carbs for a week? It sticks with you. Can I put it like this? We have said for so long that this water affects you. Can I change your view on this water? It doesn't affect you. It infects you. It doesn't just affect you. You don't just go and wash your hands and say, Woo, that was dirty. You don't do that. It infects you. It hits your mind, your heart, and your emotions, and your feelings, and your brain. And it comes back to you when you're stressed, and it comes back to you when you're arguing, it comes back to you when you're miserable, it comes back to you when you're lonely, it comes back... Because it doesn't affect you as much as it does infect you. Proverbs 6.26 For by the means of a whorish woman a man is brought to a piece of bread. For by the means literally mean the tool. You know, those poor girls and women and everything else they are trying to make a dollar. I, I don't think all of them are sitting there saying, I don't want to destroy marriages or whatever. They, they want to make it in life. But the tool that Satan uses by the means of that, a man is brought to, delivered to a piece of bread. Now, this doesn't make sense to us, but the piece of bread literally means a description of poverty. It'd be like us saying, by the means of the whorish woman, a man will end up living in a box. And you'd say, oh, I get that, Okay. It's a description of a homeless person. That their, their terminology, a man is brought to a piece of bread. Literally, all he has left is a crumb. And he's sitting there saying, well, how did I end up with just this? And he said, let, let me tell you, the, the power that she holds to captivate and control and everything else that's there by this. And the adulteress will hunt for precious life. Even the precious life of what she's talking about is meaning of, of destroying the life that you have. Either the life of your marriage or the life of your ministry or the life of your reputation Notice the next verse. And this is, this is why so many men mess up. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his, and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon the coals and his feet not be warm? You cannot touch it and not affect you. You cannot touch it and it not affect you. No man in this room could go pick up fire and say, oh, I've got this. No, you don't. No, it's impossible. You cannot log on. You cannot watch those movies. You need to check out every movie that you watch and look there and say, okay, honey, we're not going to see that. Can I tell dating couples at the same time that premarital sex and shacking up, anybody that is not your wife is also the other woman. 
I'm not trying to put her and just say she is a horsewoman. I'm, I'm not saying that. But I will tell you straight up that everything that we're talking about with intimacy and excitement and touch and everything, if she is not your wife, it's going to get really deep, then she is not your wife. She's not your wife. Let me put it like this. If she's not your wife and you're not at an altar and you haven't married her, there's a good chance she could end up being somebody else's wife. You got all your hands and you're living with another woman. Could someday be another man's wife. It's not right. Because I tell you, as you live that life and it affects you, and then one day you try to get married and you wonder why things aren't good, because these two don't mix. The two shall be one flesh. You know what that means? What affects you and infects you affects her and infects her. It doesn't work. I want, I want to close. Proverbs 5.4 But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. The outcome is not anything that he pretended that it would be. It is for a season. It is for a moment. It is for a time. But it's a hook. And it leads to so much. I, I, I just want to close way different than I normally do. I, I want to talk to men and I want to talk to women. I, want to, I just want to give you spiritual advice. I want every woman here to say and understand. I'll get to the men here in a second, okay? I want every woman to know that every day your husband stands between both. And you can sit there and say, he would never. No, David, Samson could go through the Bible, okay? Every man, every, everywhere he goes, from, from work to the computer to driving down the road, or whatever, he's, you need to understand that your husband has a God-given natural thirst. Every day he has this. You have to understand when this is shut off, a lot of times there's only one option and men will sit there and say, Tony, I do not, do not, do not want to struggle in this area. I say that because your, your marriage should be right. It should be pure. It should grow. And I'll, I'll hit that. This will make sense more in here in a minute. I'm going to read a verse in 1 Corinthians 7 two. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication. That word fornication is talking about sexual sin. Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Husband and wife, it does not say anything about boyfriend, girlfriend, dating, or anything else. Let the husband render or give unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise, the husband hath not power over his own body, but the wife. It's mutual. It's mutual. That's a whole other message for a whole other time. But I tell you, the way that God intended for it to be, was mutual. Defraud or steal ye not from one another, except to be with consent for a time. You know why? You may give yourselves to fasting and prayer the only time you come away. That Satan tempts you not for your incontency. He said, let me tell you, when this is cut off, I tell you, Satan will be on the prowl. And God was literally saying to you, he will show up. And let me give spiritual advice to men. This is a battle that you cannot win. He said, no, 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 with God, I can do all things through Christ. No, let me tell you right now, this is a battle you cannot win. God does not tell you 
to fight this battle. He tells you to flee from temptation. He said, do not put your hands on this. Do not go by the way. Do not walk in her path. Do not touch. Do not look. If a man looks upon a woman with lust in his heart, he hath committed. You're sitting there saying, I got this. I got this. God said, you can't have it. Can you pick up a coal and not be burned? Can you walk among coals and not be burned? No, you don't got this. A lot of times men are trying to fight and resist. And really you should turn the TV off and turn the computer off and get accountability and step away. Stop fighting. You will not win. Even nowhere in the Bible when it comes to sexual sin does God said, we wrestle against. No, he says, touch not. Avoid. Run the other way. When that woman came in to grab a hold of Joseph, and I guarantee you he was tempted like anything else, he left his coat behind. You know what he did? He ran. It's what we do. Proverbs 4.14. I told you we'll hit chapter 4. Here it is. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Go not. Avoid. Pass by Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. Could he said it any other way? Like, do not go there. Do not look. Do not pass. Do not walk. Do not. You know, he's just like, could I say this any other way? For they sleep not except they have done in mischief. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of the wicked and drink the wine of violence. It's not meant to be that way. You say... Men will sit there and say, Pastor Tony, I get this and everything, but let me tell you, this is not right at home. And, and she, she does not meet my needs, and there's no intimacy and all this other stuff. I also have to tell you straight up right now, I gave the illustration of us in Christ. Do you know why we love him? Do you know why we love him? Because he first loved us. You know what I find? A lot of men are just jerks. Let me point you out right now. A lot of you are just jerks. Let me, let, me, let me be more descriptive. Song of Solomon was, and you're, you're, you're dumb jerks. You, you, you are sitting there, selfish. Christ got on his hands and knees and washed at the disciples' feet, but you won't even pick up a dish at any time because you've had a hard day. You won't compliment her. <clears throat> you won't love her. You threw out the words of divorce, and yet Christ says to us, I will never leave thee, and I will never forsake thee. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And then yet in your relationship, you're afraid if you overspent and that fact that he's going to blow up and all this other stuff. Yes, you've done this to yourself. Because I'll tell you, we've talked about the physical need that you have. Have you met the spiritual and emotional need that she has? And I'll tell you, we could get off in this whole other thing. And I told you, there's a lot of side issues. But I'm telling you, a lot of men are just jerks, and you, you're getting what you are asking for, honestly. But if you live sacrificially, you understand that intimacy starts in the heart, and she is different than you are. If you stop being selfish and you live out the example that Christ said to live, then everything will change, and everything will get back in harmony. And I'm not saying that there's not physical problems and all this other stuff. I'm not... And, and, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to ignore those things. Past conflicts from abuse and things like that. that I know those issues are there. But I'm going to tell you right now, we've got to fight. Amen. The real fight for marriage. And when you say, well, you just said nothing. No, no, no. We fight for marriage. We fight for what is right. We fight for what is righteous and pure. And we lift it up and we tell our kids what is right and what is good. 
what satisfies the way that God intended. And we, we tell them when they're dating, stay away, and this isn't good, and this doesn't satisfy, and it's not right with God, and God cannot bless it. And we sit there and explain what is good and what is right and what is healthy. And I just want it to be good. Because I'm telling you, if the foundation be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Righteous do. 